0: That's amazing. Good morning everybody. It's good to see you all and um, I want to ask you to turn your Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 24. And uh, if you're visiting with us again welcome to the Garden State Church. We are the northeast counties and uh, it's just great to be together. And um, you know we've been doing a a series entitled, A Heart for God. Let me go back, Heart for God. And maybe a month and a half ago, we started talking about the heart because God is not after performance. He's not after outward uh, activities. He's after the heart the reason why we do what we do. He's after what makes us go, what makes us stop, what makes us jump in whatever else you may do. He's after the heart. Because when he has the heart, he's got you. And uh, again, I love to, see our worship team sing with all their heart i love to see our ushers usher with all their hearts i love to see the teachers in the children's ministry they get here nine o'clock teach with all their heart guys there's nothing like living and doing whatever it is you do with all your heart. Are you with me? Who wants to go half-hearted? Right? Nobody. Well, that's the same thing with God. He wants us to be wholehearted. And what's so beautiful is we get to learn from a man that God said, look at this guy. He's a man after my own heart and we have this amazing collection of books that's put together called the bible and we can go back and we can research and we can understand and really see what does God desire why was this guy pointed out in history as so special that God said he's a man after my own heart because he'll do what I want him to do uh second samuel chapter 24 i'm going to read a few verses and uh i'm going to make a few points and and sit down so we can go have a party for um, mama jenny (laughs) celebrate but uh, second samuel chapter 24 we're starting verse one the bible says again the anger of the Lord burned against Israel and he incited David against them saying, go and take a census of Israel and Judah. So the king said to Joab and the army commanders with him, go throughout the tribes of Israel from Dan to Beersheba and roll the fighting men so that I may know how many there are. But Joab replied to the king, May the Lord your God multiply the troops a hundred times over, and may the eyes of my Lord the king see it, but why does my Lord the king want to do such a thing? The king's word, however, overruled Joab and the army commanders. In other words, David did not listen to his core group. He didn't listen. He just kept plowing through. <clears throat> so they left the presence of the king to enroll the fighting men of Israel. Skip down to verse 10. And by the way, that took nine months to do. Nine months to go throughout Israel. Count them up. Verse 10. David was conscience stricken after he had counted the the fighting men. And he said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly in what I've done. Now, Lord, I beg you, take away the guilt of your servant. I have done a very foolish thing. Verse 11. Before David got up the next morning, the word of the Lord had come to, come to, God, uh, come to Gad the prophet, David's seer. Go and tell David, this is what the Lord says. I'm giving you three options. Choose one of them for me to carry out against you. So Gad went to David and said to him, shall there come on you three years of famine in your land, or three months of fleeing from your enemies while they pursue you, or three days of plague in your land. Now then, think it over and decide how I should answer the one who sent me. David said to Gad, I am in deep distress. Let us fall into the hands of the Lord, for his mercy is great. But do not let me fall into human hands. So the Lord sent a plague on Israel from that morning until the end of the time designated, and 70,000 people from Dan to Beersheba died. When the angel stretched out his hand to destroy Jerusalem, the Lord relented concerning the disaster and said to the angel who was afflicting the people, enough, withdraw your hand. The angel of the Lord was then at the threshing floor of Aruna, the Jebusite. You know, when I read this story, I was taken back. And I thought, what's the big deal he counted the guys he wanted to know how many fighting men he had now here's what's interesting this same account you can find in first Chronicles chapter 21 and 22 so you can read that later and also Deuteronomy 17 this kind of all works together But in 1 Chronicles, the Bible says that Satan rose up against Israel and incited David to take a census of Israel. And so in Chronicles, it places this right after a great victory over the Philistines. So the sin was probably related to a problem with pride and self-reliance. See, his census was uh, preliminary to a draft of soldiers and a levying of taxes, and it seems that David's intent was to increase the royal power in a way that that contrasted with a reliance on God. And if you read Deuteronomy 17, it talks about the the king's role. In fact, the king was to have a scroll and to know what he was to do and what he wasn't to do. And if you read it, David didn't do it, according to the word. You know, during that time, kings would try to build alliances. And what David did was similar to what the pagan kings did would do they would try to amass alliances so that they could go into battle and have this guy has my back that guy has my left he's got my right instead of remembering who was really in control and this was the sin that david committed and it angered god and so god said i'm giving you three choices You know, when I read this, I'm thinking, wow, can you imagine how you would feel being responsible for the suffering of other people because of a decision that you made? And then you watch it. You see the pain, a plague, that someone gets sick or whatever, and then, falls dead because of your choice. You know, we've been talking about David quite a bit. And although he's a man after God's own heart, man, David made a lot of mistakes and there's been a lot of consequences to his actions. We're not even talking about his personal life and his family which just went way down and just crumbled. But to then see the people that you're leading being affected because of your sin, the guilt must have been
1: really hard. But this is what I love about our God. Look at verse 25. Second Samuel 24, verse 25. The
0: Bible says, David built an altar to the Lord there and sacrificed burn offerings and fellowship offerings. Then the Lord answered prayer in behalf of the land and the plague of Israel was stopped. You know, sometimes we think, That our sin prevents us from having and, and staying connected with God. And the reality is, our sin should cause us to run to God, not run away from God, because where are you going? But what David did is he showed you and I something that he got, he understood in his relationship with God. See, David's response showed that he understood something about God's grace that motivated him, to continue to go to God. You know, in 2 Corinthians 7, the Bible says, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to what? Salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings what? Brings death. See, David understood how his sin had affected God and it led him to repentance. And throughout this study that we've had, we've seen him constantly repenting. See, what should encourage you and I is that, boy, if he can mess up like that and repent, whoa, I get to repent.
1: (laughs) You know, the Bible says repentance should create seasons of refreshing for the Christian It's a way out.
0: We don't need to live guilty. We don't need to live burdened. We don't need to live in fear of judgment because we have a savior who's taking care of our sins. But you know what I'm afraid of? I'm afraid some of us don't believe that. Or I'm afraid some of us, we don't understand that. And so because we don't understand, we are carrying things. And that's why we look the way we look sometimes. There is no joy. There's sorrow. There's, but you don't know why. So I like to just say, hey, is everything okay? I Text my guy, you did not look well today. Are you okay? Not because it's my job. Not because you're the evangelist, so you're supposed to. No, something is wrong. What's going on? Can we talk? Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation. See, David understood something about God's grace. And when he was guilty, as he would have been in these situations, it could have overwhelmed him, but it didn't. It led him to making the right decisions. It led him to repentance. It led him back to God. See, one of the things I, I realized, sometimes we can feel sorry for ourselves. You, you, you had a pity party? Don't invite me. Don't invite me. Seriously. And we get, oh, woe is me. Oh, I got, uh, I understand. We, we got stuff we gotta deal with. But the truth is a lot of times we just need to repent. We need to change our mind about how we're seeing something or how we're thinking Or we need to just get humble and say, I blew it, I sinned, not I made a mistake, or my bad, my bad, right, my bad, my bad, my bad, I messed up, I got emotional. No, David said, I sinned. You know what's so important about that? You don't know what you need to repent of if it's unclear. When I sin, meaning I'm jealous of you, then I can deal with jealousy, right? I lied. You asked me this and I told you something else. I lied. I can repent of that. I can't repent of, My bad. I can't repent it. My bad, what? My bad hair? My my, my, my bad clothes? No. What? But see, when you get away from the word of God, that's when things get all funky, unclear, complicated. And it's simple and straightforward. David said, I sinned against you, Lord. You know, we need to practice that, amen? Let's practice, let's say it together. I sin, right? I sin. you fill in the blank. But the reality is that's why we need a savior. Because that happens every single day, whether it's intentional, whether it's unintentional, every single day we sin. And if you're that person saying, not me, you're deceived is what the Bible says. You are lying to yourself. And you just need to read a little bit more to realize you need a savior every day. In fact, that thought right there, you need to, you need to save savior for that. But David got it and he understood this grace in the mess that his life was and the decisions that he made, he was still God's man. I wanna talk about two things this morning that I believe can change our lives, because that's what the Word of God does. But you gotta believe what David believed. Turn to Psalm 32, Psalm 32. This is the TPT, the Passion Translation, so it's gonna sound a little different. It's passionate, (laughs) that's why I like it. Psalm 32, verse 10, and it says it this way. So my conclusion is this, and this is David writing, many other sorrows and frustrations of those who don't come clean with God. But when you trust in the Lord for forgiveness, his wraparound love will surround you. You know what David understood? Trusting in God means trusting his forgiveness. David trusted God's forgiveness. He understood God's forgiveness. See, guilt is an emotion every single one of us experiences. In fact, some of us are guilty right now. We're guilty. Why? Well, because we're people, we're human, we're flawed, and none of us is good or spiritual on our own. I hate the break it to you. You need and I need forgiveness, which is why God sent Jesus so that he could take away our sins. And so it's really important if you want to have a relationship with God, if you want to have a real relationship with God, that you learn to trust in his forgiveness otherwise you are left to carry loads of guilt that are too heavy for you to handle see God is a remover of guilt he wants to free us from the burden that we carry giving us grace that we don't deserve see our relationship with him will be full of sorrow and frustration if we don't trust that part of his heart. Have you ever met someone? And you say,
1: your hair looks really
0: nice. And they say, you just saying that. You don't mean that. No, I really mean that. Your hair looks really nice. You you don't mean that. And they don't believe what you're saying
1: because they're thinking something else about themselves. You ever met somebody like that? That's a problem. Now that's their problem. Because guess what guys, you gotta believe
0: what God says. That's part of faith. That's part of trust is that God said it. I don't even feel like that's true, but I'm gonna believe it. (laughs) See, if we trust in God for forgiveness, we'll be able to confess our sins freely to him. We'll be open with people appreciating his forgiveness, catch it, instead of trying to be a perfect Christian.
1: That's what we'll do.
0: I wanna share some good news. You see that right there? That is Gloria Gilliard's oldest daughter. Where's Mama Glow at? I seen her. Say her name again. Shatis. Shatice is Gloria's oldest daughter, who was restored to the fellowship in our church in Wilmington, North Carolina. She decided to believe.
1: In trust.
0: In his forgiveness. You know, it's so encouraging when you, especially as a parent, especially, you know, some of us became disciples before, uh, uh, later on in life, and feel like, man, I made a lot of mistakes. This didn't go right. This didn't go wrong. You know, here's a great example of her daughter coming back to Jesus later on in life. Because mama stayed faithful and didn't give up. I want to encourage our parents out there that may feel that way, you know. It's never over. Jesus says, always pray. And what? Never give up. Second thing David understood. Trusting God means moving forward. Trusting God means moving forward. I'm gonna read um, Psalm 18, verse 30. There's three scriptures up here. You can jot them down, but I'm gonna read the middle one. It says, when we trust God and his promises to forgive us and guide us, we can keep going. We can move forward in faith. That means we don't get stuck in either past failures or the glory days, or past victories. We can trust God to move forward confidently, knowing that his way is perfect. As for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is tested and tried. He is a shield to those who take refuge and put their trust in him. In 1994, um, 84, Darryl Hunt was convicted for murdering a local newspaper reporter in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. A hotel employee saw Hunt enter and leave a bathroom in which bloody hand towels were discovered later that morning. Other witnesses had seen him near the murder scene, though Hunt always denied his guilt, the jury had little trouble convicting him. He was sentenced to life in prison. 10 years later, DNA testing cleared hunt of sexual assault, which was an integral aspect of the murder case. Nine years after that, a man confessed to raping and stabbing the reporter and DNA results confirmed his confession. And that witness who saw hunt at the hotel and the others who saw him near the murder scene turns out they had misidentified hunt either intentionally or by mistake. Hunt was released in 2004 after 19 years of being behind bars. Upon his release. Hunt offered his condolences to the mother of the victim and forgave everyone involved in sending him to prison and in keeping him there so long. You know what Hunt is doing today? Hunt leads a nonprofit advocacy group for wrongly incarcerated people who surprisingly number in the tens of thousands. You know, injustice is very hard to handle. And the temptation for a victim to nurse a grudge or bitterness is almost irresistible. And so though few of us will ever spend two decades in prison for a crime we didn't commit, we all relate to being disrespected, misperceived. Mistreated or wrongly accused, we know what it's like to get the short end of the stick to be victimized by someone who either didn't understand the situation or they didn't care. And though we hardly realize it at the time. Those can be defining moments in our lives.
1: How do you respond to unfairness? How do you respond to injustice? Will you get bitter? Will you get angry? Will you get depressed? Or will you trust that we're safely in God's hands? See,
0: we all know the right answer to that question but believing it, that's an entirely different matter. You know, when I read stories like this,
1: I'm amazed. How could you do it? Trusting God
0: means moving forward. It means moving forward. You know, as we move forward trusting God, god will give us what we need especially in those times in those struggles
1: david trusted god
0: and he helped him move forward so that he didn't linger in the past of his mistakes but he continued to be faithful and you you know what ended up happening god put the savior in his lineage
1: because he was faithful have you been
0: stuck in the past failures thinking about how you messed up past sins mistakes and it's time to move forward why because of God's grace because when we trust in him, he'll take care of us. Here's a scripture, and I, and I put this down here. You need, you need a scripture if you struggle with staying in the past. Pick a scripture in the Bible to hold on to you, to help you move forward. Because that's what helped Jesus when he was tempted. That's what you and I need. We need sometimes reminders because we can get so caught into whatever the situation is that we need to hear something different. Here's mine. Philippians 3, 13, 14. Brothers, sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus.
1: Let
0: me just put this in here. I am not saying we don't need to deal with our hurts and past and mistakes. No, dealing with it is part of how you move forward. But don't be the person that's telling that same story for 40 and 50 years. And you're talking about the trauma, but you're not gonna get help from the trauma counselor. You're talking about the issue, but you're not going to get the help with the issue. Are you with me? If you're gonna talk about it, take that next step. Don't wait for years. Don't wait for your life to roll past. Because, that's stuck, and that's what God wants us to be, because we're, we're going somewhere, <laughs> and there are people that need to go. <laughs> there are people who are loaded down with guilt. Some are sitting in this room right now. They need help. So what do we do here? Well, trusting God is essential to our relationship with him. If we go through the motions of Christianity without trusting in God to have our back, guess what, we won't have the strength to make it through the fires of life. So God promises, he promises, I will be your shield, I will be your refuge. You can trust me for forgiveness, no matter what other people might think. I'm gonna love you unconditionally. And as we trust God, we can move forward, we can stay calm, and we can overcome whatever comes our way. We are overcomers, okay? I'm so, so thankful for the Garden State Church because there's some overcomers up in here. (laughs) But brothers and sisters, friends, guests, God wants our
1: hearts. He wants our hearts.
0: Let's give him our hearts and watch what he does. Let's pray together. God in heaven, thank you again for this time that we can come to you. Thank you for your word. It is so powerful to hear what you say. I pray, and I don't know where this is hitting individuals, but help us take it to heart. Help us think about where we're at in our hearts. If we haven't made decisions, help us figure out. I need help with figure me out. But God, I pray that whatever we decide that we go Back to you, that we get back into your word, that we live a life of repentance. That it's not a bad word, but it's really for our good, God, because left to ourselves, we're in trouble. And God, I pray more than anything that you would help us to trust in your forgiveness so that we can move forward and we can make a difference in this world that we can be that light that you call us to be. We love you. Thank you. It's in your son's Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen.